Okay, so I'll just get this clicker. I was reflecting on society recently, as you do, and um, we live in such an interesting world, hey. Um, from Lil Nas to the Kardashians to global inequality um, and anti-maskers. Uh, it seems there are so many ideas being promoted um, and it's prompted me to do a little bit of research and I just wanted to start the sermon by highlighting a few of the ideas that are being sold by modern society today and touch on the struggle that a Christian may face in the wake of it. So, on the screen, we have Baby Yoda. Um, Baby Yoda represents us, an average person living in 2021 modern society in the West. Clearly, he's drinking kombucha, like a nice chai latte, which is so good or something. Um, but to preface, this is a huge simplification. Please don't take this to the grave. But anyway, here we go. Number one, to secular society tells us to chase pleasure and happiness whether that's through fame, success, consumerism, travel, being pretty or doing fun things. Um, we're all called to make our own meaning, do what makes us happy, buy this product, start this e-commerce business, seek that quick fix, fix pleasure. But when you are bombarded with advertisements and media, even for a Christian, it is easy to forget the call to make disciples and get sucked into you know, shopping halls and why go to church? Let's just hang out, drink, have a good time. There's also a pull to the slide on what the biblical authors, um, to slide on what biblical authors um, have to say about sexuality and marriage, just to experiment, experience things, and feel good, right? So that's the first one. Second one is we're allergic to suffering. Obviously, not all of us, but to build from the first point. If one's life purpose is I just want to be happy, a problem arises when they inevitably encounter something called pain and suffering. Whether it's a mean comment about appearance, financial struggle, or a broken relationship, studies say that the atheistic, non-religious worldview is the least equipped to deal with suffering because, at best, suffering is a tough exercise. It's not ideal, but can build life experience. But more often than not, suffering is seen as a roadblock or complete buzzkill to happiness um, and a complete impediment to the journey to happiness, leading to thoughts of, you know, I don't want to live anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. And I've been there before. Maybe some of you have too. And prior to knowing, to, prior to knowing Christ, where I had no meaning or explanation for suffering, my thoughts consisted of why is this happening to me this um, and for the Christian, in the midst of pain, it can be so easy to partially adopt or succumb to this mindset as well, forgetting that this world is not our home. So number three, digital distraction. We are living in an age of non-stop digital distraction that is oversaturated with a consumeristic mentality. Don't get me wrong, I am so appreciative of the pros of modern society. Very grateful I did not ride a horse and carriage to church today. But... There is an undeniable shift in culture, now a sort of codependency on technology. Our iPhone is like another appendage of our body. Just check your screen time. And despite phones being sold and glorified as devices um, that create connection, loneliness and isolation are on an incredible rise. Studies are showing that many of us have very few, if not any, close confidants defined as a person in which we are comfortable enough to talk with about personal matters. 
Even for the professing Christian, as screens and news feeds encompass our daily routine, there is a very strong gravitational pull to give our attention to digital devices, spending hours hooked on Netflix, TikTok, clickbait news, and online shopping. I know it's entertaining, it's numbing, it brings a quick fix joy. So the last one is um, number four, feel-good spirituality. So whether you're an atheist, agnostic, or Christian, to live another day, human beings need hope in something to keep us alive. A purpose, future dreams, even a person. I often hear or see the phrase around, um, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Um, currently, there are increasing trends, especially in the younger generation, to place trust in the universe, star signs, tarot cards, new age spirituality, things that don't require much from the person, but provides the comfort in times of need. Feel-good spirituality. Some sociologists even say that politics has become the new religion, placing hope in a particular government or policy to create the utopia that we long for. And on another note, because of the overwhelming influence that happiness-seeking and consumerism has on society, sociologist Christian Smith comments on the fact that many Christians today are actually uh, not so great disciples of Jesus, but rather what he calls moralistic therapeutic deists. To explain, moralistic is be a good person. Therapeutic is self-help, getting ahead, church, Jesus, God, the Bible is cool, but it's, you know, it's more about me. And deist is I believe in God, but it doesn't, like that doesn't really change much. He's not really involved in my life unless I need something. I pretty much live similar to those around me. So, yeah, welcome to church. Um, these are some of the cultural currents we are swimming in. And this is not a slam on anyone or to shame anyone. I'm living in the same world as you. I have tripped up many, many times. But rather, this is to identify the power of secular ideologies and how they may have even seeped into the church. But through the Spirit of God, I pray that we may come to understand and explore the way in which to overcome and draw closer to Jesus in a society that is rapidly drifting away from him. So I don't know if you guys have heard this song, you know, by Katy Perry. It's called, um, oh, I don't know, I know what it's called, but um, it goes like, do you ever feel like a plastic bag drifting through the wind? Yeah. Um, that's the one. So I surrendered my life to Christ in 2018. And when I look back on my life before that decision, I honestly picture myself as a plastic bag, metaphorically, obviously. But I wasn't raised with any religious foundation, really. When life got tough, my mom would um, make me food and tell me an inspirational Vietnamese quote. Her favorite one was um, directly translated. It basically goes, Life has many lemons. And that's it. There's no lemonade, there's no nothing. It was just that. But um, yeah, love her. Um, I was just living life, rolling with the wind. Um, and yeah, the thing is, right, if you do not stand for something, you will fall for anything, like a plastic bag. Um, Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I wrote it in capitals here. Um, but I'm no expert. I do not know. Oh, I, sorry, I'll re-say that. I am no expert. 
But I don't think the intentions and the driving of the driving forces behind consumerism um, and pleasure-seeking you know, mentalities is all that good. On a corporate level, many big companies and tech giants are motivated by greed, getting ahead, and are willing to manipulate and exploit for their own gain. But God shares through his word a very different perspective on what it means to be a human being. You are not an abrupt accident. You are an intentional miracle created by God with a purpose on this earth and a greater purpose in heaven and earth to come. However, due to the deception of the enemy fold of generations before us, the reality of this world is that we are all born selfish. If you have ever lied, stolen something that wasn't yours, or made someone cry, really sad, you have been a contributor to the pain and suffering of this world. And that is all of us. And the presence of selfishness and sin means life has an expiry date because it is unsustainable. It leads to death. But God never wanted to lose us. For God so loved the world. I'm sure you guys haven't heard this one before. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That through the bloodshed of Jesus, who is God in the flesh, our creator redeemed us, made a pathway for renewal, and that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved and have the promise of eternity where there will be no more mourning, no more death, crying or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. And with that, we rejoice in sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Not, um, and yeah, that Holy Spirit will transform your life and show you many fulfilling things you can do. Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Um, a life that is not rich in temporary materialistic things, but rich in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. To live in community and share this good news with those around us, we love because he first loved us. And this is literally the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And I never thought in my life, at the ripe old age of 21, I'd be able to say that all because of God, Genuinely, I am wholeheartedly content. I'm not famous, haven't traveled all over the world or had kids yet, yet. Um, but I wake up each day with joy and a peace that surpasses all understanding that if I died tomorrow, I would have no regrets only because I know God and know his goodness and love made clear through Jesus Christ. Now this next part, amen. Now this next part is aimed at those who would call themselves Christians or followers of the way. If you haven't yet surrendered your life to Jesus, chosen him, I invite you to consider it. It will change your life. And if you have doubts about the character of God, authority of the Bible, um, please consult one of our pastors or a Christian friend and engage in that conversation. Seriously, guys, like ask questions, study to find answers. I have been there and I understand we are all on our own personal journey. So no matter which stage you are in right now, I'm very grateful you're here with us this morning with your beautiful masks. But if you do consider yourself a follower of Jesus, the question is now, how do we practically not just survive but thrive within our current cultural climate? Um, there are so many temptations around us. 
In the book of Corinthians, a master, master level apprentice of Jesus named Paul writes, do you not know that in a race all runners run but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself may not be disqualified for the prize. Um, and yeah, Paul's metaphor likens following Jesus to athletics, to training like Christia does when she's running or when Honest does when he does soccer. This metaphor is found across Paul's writings. First Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Um, Hebrews 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Note in these verses the very strong role that discipline plays in the metaphor. I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. Fight the good fight of faith. Throw off everything that hinders. Imagine running a marathon with no training. Good luck. So for Paul, discipleship to Jesus and spiritual disciplines go hand in hand. And for some of you, discipline may have a like a negative connotation, fair enough. Maybe you picture a parent whipping out the beating stick, like it's time for a hiding. But when I say spiritual disciplines, I am referring to the practical exercises that we do and incorporate into our lives that open up room for the Holy Spirit to move in us. They are simply the practices of Jesus that transform us to be more like him. Here are a few. Now, if you're a bit nervous right now, I do understand that for the church, there has been a painful history with works-based Christianity and earning salvation, and that is valid. Verses were taken literally, disciplines manipulated, imposed, and abused. But it is important to note when Paul communicates this idea of disciplining the body, it was after his Damascus experience, after fully giving his life to Jesus. His actions and ministry are the byproduct of belief in Christ and knowing the love that God has for him, not as a way to gain it. So we are loved before we do anything, and it seems that the pendulum has swung overcompensated a little to the other side because the reality is for modern church in 2021, safe to assume that there is a greater problem with lukewarm Christianity rather than extremism in regards to earning salvation. I'm yet to see someone, you know, outside doing self-flagellation or someone fasting five times a week to earn their salvation. Um, as Dallas Willard puts it, grace is not opposed to effort but to earning. So like Paul, we do the practices out of love for the Father, prompted by the Holy Spirit, and, a result, and as a result of knowing we are saved through Christ. But the point I was trying to make, highlighting from Paul, is in your apprenticeship to Jesus, right? The key is not to try hard, but to train hard. And it sounds tautological, like it's the same thing, but there is a difference. Hypothetical scenario. Let's say I stood up here today and told you all, that the Bible says to be kind, right? So be kind. You uh, wake up on Monday, um, 
Yeah, you wake up 15 minutes before you need to leave, quickly rush out of the house, drive to work, start working, you happen to run into someone, a person who really gets on your nerves. Maybe it's a coworker who won't stop telling you how amazing their trip to the Wit Sundays was, or maybe it's a customer who's asking for a better discount on an already discounted item. Then you remember back to church, oh yes, all right, be kind, okay? You try your hardest in that moment, be kind. That is to try hard, but to train hard. Train hard would be on Monday, you wake up extra half an hour early, even like 10 minutes if that's all you can manage. You spend time connecting with God in prayer and start your day with a practice of gratitude. God, thank you so much for this beautiful morning. Thank you for life. Please be with me today as I go about my work. Doesn't need to be fancy. You might ask God, is there anything you need to tell me? You listen, breathe. Then you go, um, get ready on your way to work. You listen to some Maverick City, some Christian beats, then start working. And you happen to run into a person who starts really getting on your nerves, right? But in this instance, you are more patient, you are more calm. You might still lash out, get frustrated. That's okay too, because the goal is not perfection, but gradual spiritual formation. This is to train hard. And both are difficult, but which one is easier? And remember, the world is already spiritually forming us and won't stop doing so every single day. So to maintain and live into the abundant life, what Jesus calls life to the full, the love, joy, freedom, peace, power, sense of meaning and purpose, we need to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Now, I can tell you a thousand and one different practices of Jesus that you could implement into your life, but only the Holy Spirit is the one who can move you to do it. And to clarify, this is all an invitation. It's up to you. Um, and if it helps as well, but if this helps, many practices of Jesus can be plotted on this four-point axis. Practices you do alone, practices you do in community, practice of abstinence, and practices of engagement. Depending on your personality, you may gravitate to a certain type of practice and praise God. You may love just serving, being in community, or you may love just being alone and fasting and simple living. Um, and that is cool, though it is good to tap into all four types of practices to grow in a deeper relationship with Jesus. Moreover, as a basic rule, we can utilize these practices in the same way a doctor uses medicine, depending on our season of life. So if you're, you may be struggling with a sin or habit of indulgence, it would be wise to adopt a discipline of abstinence. So one of the top ones. For example, to overcome an addiction, whether um, sexual, technological, or gluttonous, work fasting into your lifestyle. Fasting is one of the most powerful disciplines in fighting the intense pull and tug of the flesh. And recently, God has been calling me to fast on a regular basis as well. Um, if you're struggling with a sin or habit of omission, of lukewarm, of not doing much, you will need a discipline of engagement. Um, volunteer, do anything at church. You will need, um, yeah, you will find a place to serve. If you're struggling with pride, engage in the practice of something called secrecy, which is where you do a great amount of Jesus things and tell absolutely no one about it. Don't put it on Instagram, don't do anything. Work in the practices that you feel prompted by the Spirit to do. 
So, um, yeah, as I draw to a close, this is a quick story. Hayes and I have a friend named Marco, right? And he recently got baptized on Easter Sunday. Woo! And in our first encounter with him, we were having a lunch meal with Marco and talking about God, following the way of Jesus. And we were like, yes. And after the meal, he stood up and said, you know, you guys should follow me to my car. And I knew Marco was a decent guy, but you know that cynical voice in your head, um, you know, that's like, is this when I die or something? Um, no, we didn't die, so it's fine, we're here. But Marco took us to his car, popped open the boot, and pulled out a pair of Balenciagas. And if you don't know what they are, they're a pair of shoes that retail at about $1,000. He looked at Haynes and said, God told me to give these to you. Um, in the past, Marco was making an idol out of name brand clothing as a part of his identity, and God was pretty much telling him to give it all away as a practice of letting go, a practice of simple living, and I find that so inspirational. Marco is a legend. Um, and look, this is all easy to say, and I'll get the... Oh, I don't know if there's a pen. Anyway, um, look, this is easy to say, much harder to do. I get it. But I find Jesus so compelling and so inspiring. We're currently watching The Chosen season two, woo woo. And even the way, like this is not Jesus, but the actor Jesus looks at you is so mesmerizing. Um, and like, I wanna follow him. And the practices of Jesus are the core ingredients to our spiritual formation. You cannot have pumpkin soup without pumpkins. What love languages are to a successful marriage are what spiritual disciplines are to an active apprenticeship with Christ. And from Abraham to Ruth to Daniel to Paul, there is no master of faith who has been radically changed and transformed that did not practice these spiritual disciplines with intentionality, patience, and faithfulness. So I would like to set a challenge this week, an invitation, of course, to pick a new practice of Jesus, um, and yeah, obviously, you know, embody, um, empowered by the Holy Spirit, driven of course, but pick one that is not in your regular routine and make room for it. And the whole point of being in a church community as well is that you don't need to do it alone. So talk with your life group or friendship circles and practice together. If you don't have a life group, please come see me or one of the pastors. We'd love to link you up. But to close, as we journey with Jesus together, motivated by love, I just pray that the Holy Spirit may intimately guide us to open our hearts to the transformative power of God. Amen.